This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Normally, we have a segment on Mondays that we call Opposite Monday, when I try to invite somebody in who has a different way of seeing the world, maybe sits across the political aisle from me, approaches things in a different way. But as we've been doing that for the past year and a half, we've noticed that it doesn't always boil down to opposites. Very often, uh, these are people who I might disagree with on a many on many issues, but uh, also agree with on some others. And so thinking about changing the name of this segment to Mannerly Monday, where I sit around with people who I know and respect, but whose views differ from mine. And we try to get along on the radio and, of course, get along with you, the callers, as you call in to talk about the issues that we're talking about. So uh, we are debuting Mannerly Monday today with someone I know well, uh, kind of my yin-yang twin around uh, the Metro Detroit area, Nolan Finley is the editorial page editor of the Detroit News. Nolan, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, it's good to be here, Steve. Yes, it's good to have you in studio. Uh, let's start with the news, which is that uh, we lost John Conyers, uh, the longest-serving African-American member of Congress, over the weekend at age 90. Uh, you're somebody who knew uh, the congressman for a long time. Uh, tell us what your memories are of him. Well, you know, it really has been a... Uh, just a stunning year in terms of the loss from that generation. You had John Dingle die earlier in the year. You know, last week, Elijah Cummings died. I mean, it's been uh, one right after another this year. I started interacting with John Can- Conyers uh, in a large way when I become when I became editorial page editor, and that's 19 years yeah. ago now. <laughs> and he was beyond that point where he had, you know, where his major accomplishments and, and his uh, being a major force in Congress uh, was behind him. I knew him during that sort of erratic period when sometimes, you know, he would show up in the office and be brilliant, and other times he'd show up in the office and not so much. And, you know, I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, even some of our greatest Congress people and our greatest leaders stay beyond the point at which they they should stay, and I think uh, you know that uh, that was my impression of John Conyers. Again, sometimes he could show up, and you could have just an absolutely stimulating Congress conversation with him, and other times not so much. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I remember that as well. Uh, from my time at the Free Press, that that uh, those those last few years cycles that he was in in Congress, especially, it was kind of hit or miss when you'd have conversations with him. Every once in a while, you'd get the old John Conyers that that really laser focus on civil rights and social justice. Sometimes, though, he would struggle to recall all of that. Yeah. I, I wonder what you think his legacy is. The most important part of the legacy he he leaves behind. Well, you think about the time in which he came into Congress. And the courage it took to do the things that he did. And, I mean, he's basically alone. You know, if there's a few. There's a handful. And right? the difference between that and, and today, um, people talk about struggling today. That was truly struggling. I mean, he came in and faced a wall that he had to break down. And because he and that small group 
uh, broke it down. You know, you can have uh, Congress people like Rashida Tlaib and 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 others who can come in and take contrary views and not pay such a high price for it. I mean, that was trailblazing in those days. Yeah. Uh, people hadn't done before what he and some of the others were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to shift subjects here and talk about something that I know we disagree about. Let's do uh, <laughs> Impeachment uh, mm-hmm. continues apace in the House of Representatives, or at least the inquiry into whether they ought to bring articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump. Uh, I should forewarn listeners, Nolan and I have actually argued about this already and know that we really disagree about it. Um, uh, Nolan, I'll, I'll let you go first and mm-hmm. talk about why you think this is not something that the House of Representatives ought to be doing. I think uh, the danger here is that you take a divided country and blow it apart even further, largely because of and I'm not addressing the seriousness of the fences of or 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 lack of. I'm not even uh, dealing with the phone calls and what have you. I think the process has been so corrupted to this point, and the fact that from day one you've had people like Adam Schiff looking for a reason to impeach, so that this impeach isn't just in res- this impeachment process. What we've seen so far isn't just in response to an event. Or, or an offense, uh, this, the offense, the event, sort of secondary. It came along uh, at a time when uh, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, others felt the American people might be ready for this or might be softer, softer toward this. And so I think the process itself has been corrupt and has been mishandled, has been hyper-partisan, and I think in that environment, going through with an impeachment of the president is a danger to the country. I think you take this case and let the people decide it at the election uh, uh, booth next November. I think we are within now uh, that period uh, of a year until the election, and I think this should be decided by the American people. Yeah, I mean, obviously I disagree, Mm -hmm. and I think that the the scale and— uh, seriousness of the offenses here is is particularly compelling in light of what impeachment was intended to be for. If you go back and read what the founders were talking about and debating about mm-hmm. as they were putting the Constitution together, building the country, if you read what arguments they were having about their fear of executive power, it was precisely about the thing that Donald Trump is not only accused of doing, but actually admits that he did, which is to court the assistance of a foreign leader in helping to advance his cause in domestic politics, in in getting after a political rival. He would certainly cast it differently and say what he was trying to do was to solicit help in rooting out uh, corruption in our own process, in our own system. And I think this... You and know, you can do that as president. You can do that as president, but mm-hmm. he has the mechanisms for doing that. If you're the president, a are through the CIA and the FBI, the Justice Department, uh, the National Security Council, and and advisors that you mm-hmm. have. It is not picking up the phone and courting foreign influence. And and in particular, this was what I mean. We have we have entire sections of Federalist Papers that talk about. Mm-hmm 
the danger of this. This was the not, thing that the founders feared almost more than anything and else. And I'm not defending the phone call or anything that was said on it. I'm just saying, if you're going, if you're going to do this, and if you're going to do this in the environment that's been created, in which uh, it appears, or not doesn't appear, I mean, it's the truth, that Democrats have been looking for something to impeach this president on since the day he was elected, that if you're going to do this, you need to do it in a far more orderly, less partisan, and open process than has been done so far. Because I think there's a real danger here in causing damage to this country that you don't recover from. Take this to the ballot box. So you've so, got a case here against the president. Uh, I can't imagine Donald Trump will be reelected. See, I don't know, man. That's well. Uh, I, I, I guess we'd uh, say depends who Democrats <laughs> put up against. It depends him. on who Democrats put up. But, but, depends but on who that's shows the up. opportunity. Uh, I I think that you fight this uh, at the ballot box, you so that you don't have a sizable chunk of this country saying uh, our will was undone by partisan politics. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and I also got to say, I don't have a whole lot of credibility in the Republican side of the argument raising those kinds of issues. Republicans have acted in the most hyper-partisan way against not just Democratic presidents, uh, but but against the American people, it seems, in, especially in the last 10 to 20 well, they years. They surely have been no more hyperpartisan the, the democrats have been against donald trump well, from day one saying we are not we are going to make sure his presidency has no chance of succeeding and you had the, I mean, you had the senate majority leader mm-hmm. say the exact same thing when barack obama well, was so elected. then let's not pretend we're facing something unique here well, what's unique is the difference. It, it, the difference is the way that Republicans have exercised that power, right? Mm-hmm. So, in the last ten years, for instance, I mean, we've seen Republicans swipe a, a Supreme Court seat, exercise uh, arcane rules and and uh, nonsense uh, reasoning to try to to try mm-hmm. to make sure that their minority and, status stays in the majority. And on the other side of that coin, Steve, you had the institutions of the government working to take down this president. And that is Which not president? okay. Which president? Donald Trump. What, what organization? I mean, you the had the, the, the Obama Justice Department working to take down this president even before he came into office. I mean, none of it's okay. I mean, it's not, it, none of this is okay. Yeah, I, and I, I, I think and the problem is that— From that, day one, you've had a, a um, concerted effort— to make sure nothing about his presidency succeeds. I, well, I mean, I, I was that's not the a, way that I works. I was not a Trump supporter, but I, I can see the the uh, unfairness in how this is all unfolded. But see, that's the way that it's worked. The, the partisan aspect of it does not, to me, get into the the substantive argument about what we're talking about here. And and Republicans have have wanted that that to play that both ways, right? Uh, this idea that somehow uh, the, the the timing of of issues, the 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 circumstances of issues, matter more than the substance, and that's just not right. You you don't, for instance, get to to hold back a Supreme Court seat for almost an entire or more than a year. Well, as a and way I of don't punishing when that, your, your political when opponent. That, that, and then and turn I don't around disagree. and say, well, wrote, the other side is doing We wrote thing. several times that Garland Gilchrist should have gotten, or yeah, Garland Mary Garland <laughs> should have gotten a, uh, a hearing and, right. a, and a vote. And I believe he would have been 
confirmed. I don't think that was okay. And as I said on another show this morning, Republicans will pay the price for it next year because as of January 1st, you know, as I wrote this over the weekend, (laughs) as of January 1st, you can already see, uh, you know, you're not going to get any judges appointed or at least not any judge, any judges at the district level where the blue slip is still in place. But I don't think we can say we've seen anything like the delay in confirming appointees that we've seen in this administration. I mean, I think those delays have been about substantive questions about those people and their qualifications. David Fisher is still two years now waiting to be ambassador of Morocco. Republicans didn't do that to Barack Obama as much as they wanted to hurt well, his presidency. they did it with judges instead of ambassadors. Yeah, but, all, but we've seen that going back to um, to Bork, that they've done, that Democrats and Republicans have done that with judges. The there's average no, delay under no, Obama was much different than it was under George W. Bush, much different than it has and been under much Bill Clinton. much shorter than Donald Trump. Well, actually, that's not true on judges. I mean, he's, he's gotten his judges through almost with no resistance at because thanks appointees thanks to um a harry reed he's been able to do that and blowing up the process yeah all right of course we well now we're going to come to agreement on this but it's Mm -hmm. really great to to have you here to argue about it uh if you want to join that conversation join this argument 313-577-1019 is the number let's start with gordon in flat rock gordon Welcome yes, to the uh, I, don't, I don't think the argument holds water that just because we're a year out from the election, we should let this ride. What if we were three years out? Then it's okay. That does, that makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, Gordon, uh, I agree with you. Nolan, uh, what, would, what would it take for you to say, what would it take from this president, behavior-wise, for you to say, listen, he's got to go and it doesn't matter what the date on the calendar is. I think if it, a danger to the Republican, I don't a Republican, I don't see that. In, and you don't in see a danger happening. to the Republic in courting foreign influence in domestic no, politics. I'm, and I can't, I won't go so far to say that that's what what happened here. Uh, well, that's I not don't what know. he says. I but, think but we objectively you know, reading. About I would what love, he's, I would love to see uh, a lot more open process here, so people can make a more informed judgment on that. But right now it looks like partisanship and it looks like what Democrats are doing is trying to fulfill by any means necessary the goal they set the day he took office. Let's impeach him. Nancy Pelosi made the ridiculous statement yesterday or over the weekend that nobody comes to Congress with the goal of impeaching president. I would invite her to listen to the first thing Rashida said, Tlaib said after her election. Of course that was her mission. Well, that's not her. I mean, I think the whole point is that that's not the the, the reason they go. It's one of the things that's been on people's minds because this is a president From who's acted in before, an extrajudicial manner since he got he uh, even put his hand in. on the book and, and was sworn into office. That's why this has no credibility in my All mind. Right. All right, let's go to Liz in Romulus. Liz, what's on your mind? Hi, hey. I'm calling because uh, I know that you could say both sides, Democratic or Republican, have both tried to undermine president's um, future, um, past, everything, but and present. But the substantial evidence... Um, for, for actually investigating Donald Trump is way more than we ever experienced with Barack Obama. Yes. Like, we could pick apart and try to find and 
search for reasons, but we couldn't quite get mm. them. And now with Donald J. Trump, I feel like I buy every day you can find something that's substantial. Well, I would make <laughs> the argument if you want to go that using the IRS to persecute your political enemies should have risen to an impeachable offense or might have uh, can you, in some views. And, and can you connect that to President Obama as opposed to the IRS as an agency? I mean, there's a different impeachable behavior is about the behavior not of an administration that people disagree with, but of the president himself or herself actually doing things that if go we'd, beyond I'm the scope sure of the law. It, I, you know, the answer to that is I, I believe we would have if, we did, if it had gotten any kind of scrutiny or the scrutiny it deserved. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't. I don't I agree. Mean, that was a, obviously. I mean, I. I think it. It looks. It's nowhere near as if Barack Obama was a president who deployed the agencies of government to attack his political enemies and continue to do so even after his replacement yeah, I, was elected. I, I think that's actually that's actually false. I mean, that's a smear well, against a president who. Took the, great pains to avoid that kind of behavior during his administration, the, and it reflects in the Steve, way that people the think about him. The evidence is there, else. not just the IRS, the EPA, and other agencies of the government. And you say, well, did uh, the president give the orders to do this? Um, well, we don't know. It's very those different. Never but, those are, but that's the standard for in, impeachable yeah, but you offenses. Have to, and that's the standard for, for holding a president accountable for those kinds of offenses. All right, we could go all day, and let's do. Maybe we will on text after after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan Finley, editorial page editor of the Detroit News, always great to have you here. Yes. All right. Up next, we're going to talk with Chad Livengood of Cranes Detroit Business about Mayor Mike Duggan's troubles. Stay with us on Detroit Today.